Welcome to another episode of Jody Jenkins, the golf guy. We are so pumped for this show. And I got to I gotta give a couple quick shout-outs right now to some of our listeners for the feedback we, we received after launching our 20th year of doing the program. Obviously, the show looks a little different here in COVID. And, of course, with the podcast situation, we have that going on now, too. But tons of great emails from our listeners. We're so appreciative. And we love you guys right back. Our producer, Brett Black, was telling me that a bunch of you we're sending in pictures of our old website, and I, I should post some of those pictures because I had like, did I have like frosted tips? Like that's like mid, mid like two thousands, like Backstreet Boys style stuff. So it was, uh, it was pretty horrific. And I know those pictures exist. I just haven't seen them in a while. But I should maybe post a couple of those on our social media and let some of you um, berate me. I think that would be the best way to put it. But again, thanks to everybody. And as always, if you have any questions. J-O-D-I-E at JJTheGolfGuy.com. Jody at JJTheGolfGuy.com. Look, we are pumped to get these guys rocking and rolling for the show. They are, they've been here before. This is their second appearance. They are the hosts of the wildly popular Subpar show, of course, on Golf.com. I hope that's the case. It was the last time they were with us, and if I'm wrong, they'll correct me. But please welcome back to the show, Drew Stoltz, cold-nosed gentleman. It's awesome to have you on. Thank you so much. Pleasure <laughs> is ours, Jody. And, of course, you guys are joining us from Arizona. Um, I guess just a quick logistics question on the show itself uh, to put it over and give you guys a good pump there. But how often are you recording that show? You know, when does it occur? Is it, or is it all over the map? Yeah, I'll take it from here. Obviously, um, my my schedule personally is about to get very, very busy with um, doing some TV work. So Drew and I have been working very, very hard, getting a lot of people in studio here in Scottsdale. Um, we have stacked up a lot of podcasts, and you know we release them every Tuesday. But it's been a lot of fun. It's been very, very hectic. But you know, we like to do our podcast in person. We like to get you know intimate with our guests. Be up close and personal with them because we feel like we bring out the best in them when we do that. So we have been working very, very hard uh, logging a lot of these podcasts the last several weeks. Yeah, and I know the show has grown immensely since I had you guys on originally. And one one way that I'm able to kind of see that growth, uh, that exponential growth, is through um, a real story that happened. And I can recall when we first did the interview, you guys said to me, Look, Jody, we're bumping Stephen Ames to have do an interview with you and to be on your show. And I was I was blown away. And then last week, you guys emailed me and said, Jody, we have to bump you for Larry Fitzgerald. And I thought that was the coolest thing. So I think you guys like the growth has been amazing. And you guys must be pretty stoked about watching that happen. Yeah, I mean, I think I can speak for both of us when I say, like, we love the trajectory that things going on. My my personal, like, biggest kind of feather in the cap, I guess, is when, when you get certain guys reaching out to you who may be professional athletes, whether it's golfers or some other sport, like, talking about the show, saying, hey, I really enjoyed that interview. I would love to come on sometime and things like that. That's when you know that, you know, there's some people actually paying attention out there in the sports world or when I hear from a tour player maybe, like, hey, I was on the range last week and, so-and-so was talking about y'all's interview with, you know, 
you name it, whoever, uh, and they were quoting it or things like that. That's kind of the cool part for us is when we start to get some of that feedback from from some of these guys, man. But we're we're lucky that um, we're in a town where there's a lot of people that doing big things in the sports world, especially in golf. So we are able to get a lot of those guys in the studio, and then we uh, get out on the road too to to try to capture some of these interviews, which we've done in the past, and we'll be doing here shortly as well. And either of you can answer this one, but has there been anyone that's asked? or kind of hinted at coming on the show, and you guys have been like, nope, not happening? <laughs> not off the top of my head. I mean, unless you're it's just like the local guy at Whisper Rock or something that wants to come on, which <laughs> is never going to happen. Um, but for the most part, I mean, if you have any kind of resume at all, you're more than welcome to be on Golf Step Park. <laughs> there you go. I have a little bit of a resume. I haven't been on the show yet. Or I guess maybe I qualify as a member at Whisper Rock or something. <laughs> You got to get with Scott Yeah, we like to do it in person. Oh, that's right. That's the kicker. That's right. That's that's a good point. And trust me, if the borders were open, I would take you up on that in a heartbeat. But they are not. So that's uh, Drew, I wanted to ask this question to you specifically because someone put a little bug in my ear and and thought I should chat a little bit about your Canadian tour days, specifically with an event up in Seaforth where there's apparently nothing to do. And there's a rumor of a rap song or a rap album that came out. Oh, Jody, dude, you're pulling our own. You're pulling our own tricks on us right now, dude. You're digging a little deep there, trying to find some dirt. But uh, yeah, actually, this story may actually come to light here in the next few weeks on Golf So Far. We we had uh, Graham to left the studio. His episode will be airing here soon. But yeah, it was a year. It was my second year, I believe, on the Canadian tour, and I was doing a lot of traveling with. Graham Dillette, James Love, Barrett Jarosh, a number of guys of us out there were trying, uh, Andres Gonzalez at the time, and Graham had kind of been on a bad stretch of golf at the start of that season, was actually contemplating maybe not playing anymore. And then um, we had a little break in the, in the season, and he came back and he just caught on fire. Well, the first week that he played well after the break, he finished runner-up somewhere. And so he made like, I'm going to make up a number, but let's say he made $18,000 or something like that, right? I mean, we might as like, we were rich. And I say we is because we, like, when someone did something good, pretty much everyone got to share in it. But we had a really long drive to Seaforth the next week. And we went in and Graham bought one of those MacBook Pros, the white ones, when they first came out. And we were messing around with it on the drive over there. It was a long drive. And he found this app. He's like, dude, we can make music on this. And we're like, what? He's like, no, dude, we can actually, like, record songs and stuff. So we started tinkering with it. There's nothing going on at Seaforth. Me, Graham, and James were all staying in a billet house. And we discovered how to put, like, music on there, and then we could rap over it, and we started just spending, I mean, just a stupid amount of time on this garage band over the next few weeks where we were recording songs and things like that. Thank God I don't think those songs uh, exist in the world anymore, so I think that's some pretty stupid stuff. But, dude, it was a good way to entertain ourselves for a number of weeks. I think we did it basically throughout the rest of the season. We'd finish around and be like, hey, do you guys want to practice? And we kind of look at each other like, no, let's go back and record some music. And we just go back to the house and record. So we had a, it was a lot of fun. That's, that's, I mean, that was one of the most fun years I had playing golf. <laughs> was there a title for the song, or do you recall? Do we, the name of our group was the Bomb Squad, which is <laughs> ironic because pretty much everyone in the group hit it really long, except for me. So I don't know how, how I got linked in with the Bomb Squad, but I'll take it. Cool. I don't know if this is putting you on the spot too much, but just to loop you in, if you if you were in a rap group, what do you think? What do you think the name of it would be? Well, I definitely couldn't be on the bomb squad because if even Drew hits it further than I do. <laughs> uh, God, I don't know. I, I'm not the gravy train. <laughs> yeah, gravy train. There you go. Perfect. Thanks, Lee. 
Well, I mean, that's a hot group. I appreciate, actually, I appreciate Colt's uh, self-deprecating sense of humor because I know I had sent you guys a text about a um, a long drive team that I'm doing some work for now called the Long Stars, and Colt's immediate response was, "Yeah, I, I was never known as the Long Star on tour. I was known as the Long Shot." So I thought that was, uh, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, he did pretty well with it. <laughs> Colt, I want to transition uh, quickly to. Masters, obviously, as you said at the beginning, your schedule is about to pick up. And I want to just, the first part of this is about um, the COVID situation, just because I think it's obviously still relevant. Any hesitancy on your part as far as getting back out on the road, traveling around, or are you completely feeling good about the situation? No, I'm totally comfortable with it. You know, I mean, I'll I'll be honest, I I had COVID um, back in January, and I got through it. And so, so now having been through it, like I feel fine. Um, you know, I'm very excited that, you know, us here in the States are starting to open up a little bit more. Obviously every state is different, but I have no hesitations. You know, everyone at CBS and the golf channel is very, very careful. Um, you know, they have their protocols in place. The PGA tour has done an unbelievable job, um, you know, getting back on schedule, you know, having very, very few cases and, have had no stoppage in play, which is which is awesome to awesome to see. So I'm I'm excited to get back out on out on the road and uh, be a part of the PGA Tour. Cold. Maybe I'll get you to comment on this too quickly because it just made me think of something else specific to Canada. And Drew, you can hop in if you want as well. I'd be curious to know tour players' thoughts if you can kind of hop in their mind because you were there. I'm sure you still talk to quite a few of them. I know you do. The Canadian Open was recently canceled. And it must be so frustrating for the team up here to have to cancel our major event, the RBC Canadian Open, but yet watch south of the border and see fans returning, events coming off without a hitch, and no major outbreaks as of now at golf events. What what do you think a tour player says when they see something like the Canadian Open get canceled? Does it register with them? Do they get pissed? Do they be like, oh, yeah, whatever, life goes on? But I'd just be curious to know if anything goes through their minds or if you think anything goes through their minds about that yeah that's a tough one because you know the Canadian Open is a, is a very special event and it's you know I was fortunate enough to play in it quite a few times and I mean the crowds are just so into it they get huge crowds out of it no matter where it's at um, the support is unbelievable and it's, it feels like a major championship it's a big time event so yeah I mean I, I know everyone's very very disappointed um, that, it's, that it's canceled especially you know the Canadian players you know you got your Nick Taylor, your Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin, uh, Max Hughes. That's tough for them because they like to go home. I mean, I know they're all trying desperately to be that next Canadian to win the Canadian Open. Uh, I know that's such a big deal to, to them. So I know they're extremely disappointed, but you know, hopefully it's just a one-year break and um, back at it next year. Yeah, this is well. This is two years in a row now, of course. And nobody's saying they should sacrifice safety. I, hope, I just want to be clear to our listeners. I'm not. Def- I'm definitely not saying that. However, I would. I would make the argument that. You know, if it can be done in the in the U.S. and it can be done in other areas, I'm pretty confident we could have pulled it off. And and it is frustrating to see. But again, those are uh, those decisions are above my pay grade. And uh, I think that's all I wanted to say about that. Um, Drew, I want to quickly ask you again, just going back to the Canadian tour perspective, because I've been having some. Uh, and full disclosure, I should tell you this right off the hop. I, I wouldn't want to embarrass him or name names, but. 
it was Scott Pritchard who told me that story about the rap show, a rap song. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, God, he's probably got a lot of dirt. Stop, you need to stop talking to Scotty immediately, dude. Actually, he is on the other line as well. So he's feeding me stuff as he's listening to this. Just kidding. But uh, no, your thoughts on uh, the McKenzie tour, because we're it, they haven't said yet what it's going to look like this season. Last year, of course, it was canceled. They had two different types of series, uh, one in the U.S., one in Canada. But as someone who you know has a lot of experience on that tour, has played in those events, what what does it mean? Like it's a big thing to cancel a developmental tour like that, isn't it? Oh man, it's a huge deal. And actually, I was just at Whisperock the other day, and there was a couple guys, Hayden Wood being one of them, a former Oklahoma State grad, and another one of his buddies who played at Oklahoma was a great player. They're getting ready for the for the McKinsey Tour qualifying school, and I was talking to them about it. Like, dude, we don't even know if the tour is going to happen. Like, there's a good chance that it doesn't happen. And you can just see how disappointed both those guys were. The thing that makes it so tough for guys nowadays, like at least when I was playing out there for the most part, if you didn't play in Canada, some guys didn't go up there because there were other options stateside, right? You could go play mini tours and things like that. There was, there was a bunch, I know the West Coast had their mini tours, the South East had their mini tours, some were in, throughout Texas and Oklahoma. And you could go play those and you could try to make money that way to, to keep the dream alive, you know what I mean? And then go to Q school and, and take your shots there. Clearly the McKinsey tour was better because it could, lead you to the Corn Ferry Tour and things like that. It's just a much better tour altogether. But the tough spot for these guys right now with that tour kind of up in jeopardy this year, there's nowhere else to go, man. You know, there are only, there's very few, you know, developmental tours in the space that are really paying out any money. So, like, if you're a guy and you're planning on playing in Canada and that doesn't happen, where do you go now? What do you go do for the rest of the season? You can't just stop playing competitive golf, you know what I mean? And be like, oh, I'll pick it up in Q school. It's the best prep in the world to get ready for Q school. And so, I feel I feel for these kids right now that are coming out. It's just bad luck uh, on their end for the, for the way the timing is shaking out with COVID and stuff. To be graduating and everything up in the air, but yeah, it's it's a big deal for these young guys. So look at how many guys right now. I mean, Joel Damon just won this past week, right? There's a Canadian, there's a McKinsey Tour grad, and yep. he ended up winning the Order of Merit, but played three, four years up there before he did it. Adam Spencer just won on the Corn Ferry Tour. There's another McKinsey Tour guy. Like these guys that graduate that tour end up being good players, and the fact that it's gonna you know potentially not happen this year just leaves a lot of guys in limbo and it's hard to sustain a, a golf career when you got nowhere to play. Yeah. And I know Scott Pritchard and the team are working hard and I know it's all systems go. They haven't made a decision yet. And we still have our fingers crossed that it will be a, a normal McKenzie tour schedule. But I tell you, I mean, the way it's looking with the government, it's, it's frustrating because again, it goes, even when we were talking about the Canadian open, uh, we absolutely could have a safe environment for these individuals to play a great season up here in Canada. And uh, I'm concerned that it won't happen. But again, I hope that uh, I hope that common sense prevails at the end of the day. Okay. I have a journalistic type question for you. Well, actually it's a question about journalism, especially in golf, because the other day I was watching a video, an old video of one of my clients, Rebecca Lee Bentham. She was being interviewed at uh, the women's Canadian open and the uh, journalist asked her, and I thought this was just the stupidest question. The journalist asked her, how important is it for you to make the cut? And, of course, Rebecca stared and, you know, very politely said, well, that's how I pay my bills. That's how I put food on the table. So it's very important. But I'm curious from your perspective, you guys have been doing this a bit now. What it, What is one of the dumbest questions you've ever heard or a question that really pisses you off when you hear it? Even on TV, Cole, like, what do you, what do you, if you guys want to share that? You don't have to name names, but if you do, it makes the show even better, but go ahead. 
Name a bunch of names. Oh, go. Yeah. Uh, well, Drew Stokes every other day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, I haven't heard of a ton. I see. I hear more dumb responses than I think dumb questions. Um, but for the most part, I feel like all the all the journalists and broadcasters do such a great job. And you know, obviously, in my situation, I have to say that right now. So yeah. I'm just going to stick with that answer. Yeah, no, I'm not. And let me let me be clear. I guess maybe just I'll back that up a bit. I'm not saying that the major broadcasters, although some of them, I feel, do some really stupid things. But we, we've talked about this before. And I, I was just curious about now that you guys have been doing your show for a little bit, you know, on the other side of the mic, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like how often can you ask somebody, you know, what were you thinking over that shot? Or, you know, what was going through your mind as you were walking down the fairway with the, the one-shot lead? Like, I'm pretty sure I could answer those questions for some of those people, right? Yeah, like, yeah. and just... I, think the, I think... Go ahead. Okay, I, was say, I think these guys, especially on tour, like, they're so used to getting basically the same questions every single time they step off the golf course that that's why you get these generic robotic answers, right? Like, how many... What does this mean to you after they win? Like, well, dude, it, it means a shitload. Yeah, I just want a bunch of money. I want, to, you know, like it means it's not, like that's a hard question to answer, no matter what you're talking about. But I think they just get spoon fed so many similar questions week after week, day after day, that as soon as they start hearing those, they just check out, and that's when they go into generic mode. So I think, like speaking for us, at least on subpar, and and then the radio is a little different, but on the radio too, like trying to ask them outside of the box stuff and maybe they don't get asked 8 million times, you know, every single year, then it engages them a little bit more, but it's hard to come up with a ton of questions that, that they haven't been asked before. Cause these guys do so much. Deeper. Yeah. And Colt, are guys, guys guarded. I mean, male and female are pros kind of guarded sometimes in their responses. And if they are, is that based on maybe a bad, situation they've had in the past i can think of one time because i when i was early on in my journalistic career I, I know i shared about Stephen ames before with you guys and he's got tons of stories of how he deals with the media and that's fine but i can remember a guy that i thought i was really excited about interviewing him and again it was at a canadian open and it was kevin stadler but he just did not seem like he wanted to talk now maybe he's not talkative or maybe he just didn't maybe there was a gotcha moment but like, I don't know, just are guys guarded on tour? Well, first talk about Kevin that. Stadler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, because <laughs> that was your test subject. I mean, that's just unfortunate because, yeah, you're right. He doesn't want to talk. Um, it had nothing to do with you, I promise. Okay, good, good. <laughs> but, you know, I, I do think guys are guarded. You know, today's world, you say one wrong thing, you know, I mean, it just gets held over you forever, it seems like. And so I get the that the guys are, you know, somewhat, you know, nervous to talk to the media or don't want to give away too much because, I mean, it's, look what's going on in the world. I mean, you just, you mentioned one little, you know, controversial subject. You talk about it at all and you get hated on for it. So, like, why, why even put that out there? I mean, I thought, you know, one of the most outspoken superstars in golf, one of, one of the best interviews in golf because he kind of lets you see more than a lot of the other players is Justin Thomas. Yeah. And now with his incident, his, his incident that happened in Hawaii, now I feel like he's kind of going to go the other way, which which is very unfortunate because Justin is one of my really good friends, but he, I thought he was great with the media. And he wasn't scared to open up a little bit. But now with this incident that has happened, I think we're going to see him uh, be a little more guarded. And, yeah, dude. And Cole, like, is this the problem with the media, Jody, in my opinion? It's like, oh, we can, we constantly complain about these guys don't give good interviews. They don't give good answers. They, you know, they just go through the motions and stuff. We want honesty. 
And as soon as they give you honesty, if you're someone that doesn't agree with them, then they get crucified. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, well, here's finally, oh, you want my real opinion? Here it is. And half the people out there probably won't agree with it. And then they attack them. Like, look at Abe answer and the president's stuff. All he said was like, I'd really like to play Tiger Woods. And we've had Abe on our show and he clarified. He said, like, look, dude, I grew up idolizing this guy. Who wouldn't want to go compete against their idol? You know, it was more of like a sign of respect for Tiger Woods than anything. But then the media gets a hold of it and all of a sudden it's this big, oh, Abe wants to play Tiger. Abe's going to think he can beat Tiger and all this stuff. It's like, well, finally you get a guy saying what he actually thinks and then you go drag him through the mud like that. That's not a good way to get dudes to want to open up to you in the future. So I feel like it's a catch-22. As soon as these guys open up, they can get dragged. But if they don't open up, then we're like, oh, these guys don't say anything. So they're in a tough spot. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more with you guys. And Cole, just quickly on that JT situation, of course, which I fully, you know, welcomed his apology. It was sincere. I'm curious, did anybody, did anybody like try to distance themselves or did the guys, you know, kind of in the inner circle in the locker room kind of rally around them? Or do you know? Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, JC is one of those well-liked guys on the PGA Tour. You know, that moment does not define him. That's not who he is. Exactly. That was a mistake. Yeah. And, like, and like you said, I mean, you accepted his apology. I accepted his apology. Um, I know it really, really messed him up for quite a long time. That's why I think that win at the players was, was so big. But, man, JC, no one distanced themselves from JC. He's one of the most likable guys out there, one of the nicest dudes on the planet. Um, it just sucks that that happened. You know, it was, uh, you know, he's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. Um, it was a mistake. We all make mistakes, but I think it's time for everyone in the, in the golf world to move on. Oh, yeah. Move on from it and just focus, focus how great, on how great of a player Justin Thomas is. And I agree with you, Cole. You said it beautifully. We all make mistakes. In fact, last comment on that would be that I would have been more impressed if some of his sponsors had actually stuck by him and said, look, we know that that's not who he is. And we're, but it, it's tough out there. You know, it's tough. It is. I mean, that's what I said earlier. That's why these guys are so guarded. I mean, you, you say one wrong thing, even if you're just joking around. I mean, you look at Nick Faldo's comments about Ricky Fowler, you know, missing the match. He's going to shoot some commercials. Like he got roasted for that. He was just trying to make a joke. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't probably the best, best joke to make. Um, but I don't think he meant anything, many harm by it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I'm excited for him and uh, the future's bright. He's had some great runs, and I'm looking forward to to what's next. Okay, before we wrap up here, because I know you guys are uh, busy men and your time is valuable, uh, we're going to do a little segment called This Question is Really Lame. I'll direct the first one at uh, Colt. Uh, Colt, with the Masters approaching, uh, who do you like in that event? Well, Sleeve and I have a have a season-long bet going. I don't really want to reveal uh, my, who I'm kind of leaning towards, but I'll say this. I don't think we, we've normally referred to him by initials. So, you know, there's a few of those out there. So I'll just, I'll go oh. with that. Okay. Oh. Oh. Maybe one of the guys you're talking about. You never know. I'm writing this down. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> well, you're saying J.J. Henry. That's what I wrote down. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I really think Sandy Lyle is going to make, do something special this year. Dude, you don't got to twist my arm. I think he's due. The resurgence is coming. <laughs> and Drew, do you have? A, are you able to share a little bit of your insight on the Masters? Yeah, dude. I mean, maybe I throw out a little decoy name right here for Colt, but uh, I mean, we're going to be fairly aligned. There's no secret when you look at them. It's gonna, I'm going to pick a guy at the top of the board, but I think it's a 
I think it's a great situation for Bryson DeChambeau, if I'm being honest. Last year he came in in November. All the attention in the world was on him. All the expectations in the world were on him. It was like winter bust for Bryson after what he did at Wingfoot. And I, I, I think that's a really tough place to be in. He's a little more under the radar, I guess, if you want to call it that for the guys the second, you know, betting favorite that week. But I really like Bryson. There's a guy that goes by some initials named JC that I possibly like. Colt may have been alluding to. I mean, there's a number of guys I like there. But, um, yeah, Bryson's going to be high on my list for that one. Cool. One you know, more. He ain't taking oh, Bryson. He ain't taking Bryson. This is just, that's all. <laughs> no. Is that what they call yeah, the, the red herring? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Never know. Freddie Couple could be on the list. There's a lot of names, Jody. A lot of names. <laughs> All right, guys, quickly before we end this, uh, exciting guests coming up. Anything you can share about upcoming shows? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, if you want me to take it, I will. Yeah, we've got, we've yeah, got fire. Uh, we have a We have a special Masters edition you know, uh, coming out. It's going to be our first repeat guest, our first guest ever. John Rahm will be joining the program to talk. A lot of Masters talk, you know, obviously his equipment his equipment changed and, you know, how, how special the Masters is um, to the Spaniards. You know, they've had an unbelievable success there. Um, we got Larry Fitzgerald coming up. Uh, who else we got on there? We got Riggs. Don't forget. Yeah, Riggs. The world's most perfect human, Adam Thielen, wide receiver for the yeah. Minnesota Vikings. It was a really fun interview. I thought he was a blast. Uh, Sean McDonough, longtime sports broadcaster, is coming up. We've talked about a and, bunch of these things, and there's some good ones. And the great Canadian Grand Deluxe. Yeah, not to be forgotten. Yeah, you can never forget Graham from the infamous Bomb Squad. Isn't that right? <laughs> exactly. I would say, yeah, he was the number two. He was the number He was number one on the golf course, number two in the Bomb Squad. But honestly, hold on, I don't know if you feel the same way. I thought Graham was one of our most fun ever. It was a really good combination of serious golf stuff Graham got into with us and then also a lot of fun and storytelling, too. Boys, yeah, I want to. Yeah, boys, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, when the border opens, uh, if that invite is still standing, I will come down there. Uh, I will uh, participate in the show, and I, I look forward to that. Hopefully, you don't rescind that invite. Uh, you'll be like, "Oh shoot, the borders are actually open." Jody's texting us. <laughs> what did we do? What have we done? Uh, Colt Nost, Drew Stoltz, hosts of the wildly popular. The show is called Subpar, and we're so appreciative of having your time today, and we wish you nothing but the best, and you're welcome back anytime. Awesome. Thank Thanks you so much, Jody. Thanks again to Brett, our producer, for his work on that interview. Those guys are unbelievable. Um, love having them on, and I would definitely encourage you to check out the show again on golf.com. His show is called Subpar, Cold Nosed, Drew Stoltz, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. All right, seven days. We do this again. Thanks so much for the support. Email me, J-O-D-I-E at JJTheGolfGuy.com. Any suggestions, guests you want to see on the show, uh, we'll do our best to make that happen. Enjoy the rest of your week.